Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. And we'll be doing things just like that. In fact, we'll be taking a vintage car ride through the French Riviera this summer. And we'll be truffle hunting in Florence in the fall, to name just a few of the experiences so that I can give you a feel for it. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. You are listening to a very special 12 Days of Christmas Work Hard, Play Hard episodes. These are episodes that I think had the most impact. So I wanted to share it with you as we are approaching the end of the year and getting focused on our goals and what we want to do in 2020. So I hope you enjoy this countdown. Well, Kimberly Murgatroyd, how are you, my dear? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Really? I was taking a knee shot. Holy shit. Did the three, two, one, get ready, go have anything to do with your preparedness? Oh my God. I'm so God. sorry. Listen, mommy needed a, a little E shot. I'm on day two of a cleanse. Give me a break. You know what we're going to talk about today? Uh, I do. Could Because you wrote it. <laughs> we are going to talk about how to grow a vision together as a couple. Did I say a part? No, you said together. Together forever. We talked about that. I talked about what? You're singing. Okay. <laughs> Here are the three things that they are going to learn today. Number one, how to not make each other wrong for their goals. You know why? Because it can damage your relationship permanently. Instead, find out the why behind each other's goals so that you can understand each other more. Number two, we're gonna celebrate each other's strengths and use them to reach your goals. And number three, how to get on the same page with your vision. You know, I remember when we really began to dream bigger, we had to hash out a lot of things, kids or no kids, where to live, what work would look like, 
our spending habits, our saving habits. We had different goals, different dreams, different habits. But somehow over the last decade, we have managed to grow together and have our vision on one page. We've gone through some really tough times and we've done it together and we've come out the other end. So I really feel like we have a lot to offer. Well, I think you finally saw it my way, which is, (laughs) which is how this all worked. I mean, like you, we, you know, this was something you had to figure out, but at the end of the day, we circled back and you're like, he was right. Yeah. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Not so much. All right. So let's talk about the first bullet. First bullet is don't make each other wrong. So Kim, I'm going to let you start this one. All right. So, you know, I see this a lot and I've seen it in our relationship too, where one person wants one thing, another wants another, you know, the whole opposites attract. And you can really find yourself making the other person wrong for their desires. And, you know, when I first started dating Rob, you know, it, we were very similar and we're very different. And we had um, a similar childhood in some ways, but very, very different in others. And that created these big shifts. So for example, you know, he was always wanting to have like the craziest car and, you know, the Porsche or the this or the that. And, you know, I I just didn't care about that stuff. But initially, instead of me just not caring for myself, I was like, why do you need that? Like, what is it doing for you? And trying to make you wrong. You remember? I remember it vividly. You remember and, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and honestly, there are some things in those areas that I still struggle with, but I think I've gained clarity in that particular department. Yeah, and, you know, vice versa. Like, I was a big, like, why are we spending this? You know, I'm, I, I'm what we like to call thrifty. Um, my husband would have other names for it, but I really try to be more thrifty. I remember when I first started dating... Rob, he was buying Demi's clothes at Neiman Marcus and she was like four. And it was everything from underwear to pajamas. I'm like, she's going to be out of that in six months. Why are you spending $82 on a pair of pajamas? And I introduced him to the wonderful world of Target, right? Well, yes, but I'll, I'll tell you why. You know, it, it, I, I don't view you as thrifty anymore. I view you as smart. You, you have a millionaire next door mentality and you were raised by, you know, by two parents who were teachers. They never made a bunch of, you know, money. But what they were able to do because of the lifestyle that they lived, which was way beneath their means, was things like, you know, they they still traveled to Europe. They still had paid off cars. They still, you know, they went were out. They just to, smart with their money. We had a great really house, great cars, but not house like, paid off. Yeah, house I mean, paid like, off everything. Everything was about experiences, not things. Whereas I guess where you grew up, you My didn't- parents didn't have a pot to piss in, but man, we look like we did. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what. And so, so honestly, I came into the relationship with a lot of unconscious programming. I know this is not directly related to this point, but I think it's, it's, well, it's, it's worth it. Well, it's very related to this point because if you have someone like me that's thrifty and someone like you that's a spender and you put us together, that's oil and water in the money department. So, you know, until you understand why I'm nagging you about the $3.99 you spent on a rental, for a movie that we never watched, <laughs> you know, until you understand where that came from 
in my life, in my in my blueprint. And until I understand where your blueprint comes from, all we're gonna do is make each other wrong. Yeah, I mean, so so what happens is you're right. That's exactly what happens. So in the back of my head, I got, you know, I've got this programming that's going like, go out, live your life. You know, you, you don't know you how get long the voice you, going, spend, 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 spend. spend. And then I got the other one going, why'd you spend two dollars and ninety-nine cents on a movie <laughs> that you didn't watch? And I'm like, get off my, you know. But at the end of the day, when I when I look at those things, I'm able to really see that. I think here's what it is. Having the willingness to understand why somebody has a differing view is I think the thing that's gonna serve you the most. So whatever it is, if it's an issue, kids are another big category in this in in this department, you know, because you yeah, you're raised differently, right? I'm raised this way, you're raised that way. I think stepping out of your own programming and being willing to listen to what the other person has to say about why they're passionate about what they're passionate about will really help you to see things. Because if you just wanna stay stuck in your opinion, you're never gonna see another side of it. And all you're gonna have is this constant fight between the two of you. Yeah, and so one thing that I would say in this, um, cause we're talking here about vision, right? And creating a vision together and how you can grow together. So if you can start to understand each other, and I'm gonna use the car for the example in this. So Rob had this Porsche. He always had a Porsche. Every year he got a new Porsche and it was like, you know, Porsche mania over here. And one day we were driving in um, on a scooter in the Aeolian Islands, which are just off of Sicily. And we were talking about, you know, why he needs these types of things. Like why, why the Porsche? Like, is it, does it make you feel like a bigger man? Like, what is it about that? Do you, do you want people to see you in it? Do you have to be parked in the front at the valet? Like, is it an ego thing or what is it? And I remember having these conversations with you. And as we're driving on this scooter. Is that when I got stung by a wasp? <laughs> yes. And by the way, we have video of that. So we need to pull that out of the archives. But um, as we're driving on the scooter, after you got stung by the wasp in the chest, it was like a dagger to the chest. After that, we drove to the end of the island and it basically looked like Hawaii. And you had a moment of clarity that initially the Porsche represented success. In your 30s, it represented success and, you know, a, a bigger a bigger junk probably. You know what I mean by mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. You catch what I'm putting down? I, I see where your hands are going. Okay, see, perfect. So everybody, you don't see my hands, you know what I'm laying down there. By the so, way, she just looked like a rapper grabbing a crutch. <laughs> it was really, really funny. So, you know, I think initially the the car was a success barometer. And in that moment though, on that island with that scooter, he realized what he really loved, which was the freedom of the feeling of being, he was like, kept talking about this scooter. Like, oh my God, I love this scooter. This is the best. And we unpacked it and we took the time to figure it out. So needless to say, we came home. He turned in the Porsche and didn't get another one and literally got a Vespa. Like straight up looked like, you know, Magilla Gorilla on a Vespa driving around Atlanta. And he did that for probably, what, two years until he had Sophia. And I made you sell that accent mm-hmm. once you get killed. But now you have a new appreciation for automobiles. And it's not about the success of it. It's not about whose car is bigger. It's not about that. It, it seems like now you're truly appreciating more the craftsmanship of that 
whole thing. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And so I think the lesson here to not make each other wrong is what you just listened to her say was she took the time to listen to what I was saying about why I wanted the car. Also, why I wanted the car and also why I wanted the scooter and put the two of them together. And we were able to have a conversation about both of those things and come up with something that was even better. And what's really coming to mind for me right now is the ability to influence each other. You have to have the ability, I think, in a relationship to influence influence each other. Otherwise, then you're just gonna, you, you, one's gonna be a bitch and the other one's gonna be a dick. Yeah. I mean, that's what's gonna happen. And you're just gonna keep blaming each other and keep fighting that battle. And, and, and nobody wins there. And now, you know what's crazy about this too? All I wanna do, once we move to California and we're like settled, all I wanna do is help him find his dream car. Because now I'm, I am participating in his vision because I know why he wants it. I know it fuels him. I know he loves it. I know it's I know it's not just an ego trip. And now, even though I don't want it for myself, I literally told him the other night, I will keep driving. I have a Prius. It's um, six years old and it's got 24,000 miles on it, okay? I will drive that shit for 20 more years and let him have the car of his dreams because it's not something I care about. But now I'm on board with that because we took that time. All right, number two. All right, number two is, um, you know, celebrating each other's strengths and realizing how you can use them to achieve the common goal. So, you know, we all have strengths and we all have a zone of genius. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. So if, I think we actually did an entire episode on strengths. So in our relationship, we have worked together in, I don't know, four different businesses from brick and mortar business to online business, to network marketing business. Like we've done it all and we've done it all together. And so sometimes when you have two people trying to do the same task and one's probably a little bit better than the other, you can butt heads. You can also make that person, the other person wrong for not seeing it the way you do. For example, I'm very math brain. I am very strategic. I am that person. Rob is much more linear thinker, much more you know, big idea guy. And I'm like in the, in the weeds, you know, strategy. And so instead of going, Rob, I don't understand how you can see this, which I know I've said to him in the past, so I'm not perfect. You know, I really try to allow him the time to see and to ask questions and figure it out instead of trying to make him wrong for not having my strengths or vice versa. Yeah, and I, I think to even take that one step further, I think what's really important to understand here is, is clearly defining what, once you understand what your zone of genius is and what your strengths are, and you decide that, okay, look, this is what Kim does and this is what Rob does, then stay out of it let her do her thing and let me do my thing. Where we have gone wrong is when we decide that a certain task needs to be done and we don't assign who is doing that task and we both do the task. And as you know, there can be very very significant creative differences in the way that the task can be done. So I think what we've gotten very good at is getting real clear, this has to be done. And you're going to do it. Yep, in your zone. And so a great way to figure out what your strengths are is, you know, we've talked about strength finder tests in the past and color code and all of that. But also sit down with your spouse and each of you grab a piece of paper and at the top of the paper, write your spouse's name and write their strengths. Not yours because it's much harder to look inside. It's so much easier 
for you to determine what your partner is strong at. And then, like he said, if if Rob is a 10 in one area and I'm an eight, I need to let him do it because he's, even though it might be different, God forbid, even though the journey getting there might, he might say different words, he's going to get the job done. And I can, I can throw myself under the bus here. He would do these calls with hotels back in our Jet Set Life days and try to negotiate stuff. And I am not the negotiator. He by far exceeds my negotiation skills because I just, I, it, it like makes my stomach turn. And so I would be behind him going, don't say that, don't do this, don't do this on the phone because it made me uncomfortable instead of just allowing him to do it anyway. And he still does it. Like if we go to like, we're in Morocco and he wants to negotiate something down, I literally just have to leave. She just walks away. I just walk away because I, it makes, whereas before I would argue with him and go, don't negotiate. It's okay. We'll just do this. We'll just pay that or whatever. Now, now by the same token, if that person were to give us directions to go somewhere, <laughs> then I walk away because Kim, she's the one that's going to take us where we need to go. Cause I have no freaking idea how to do that. Yeah. So knowing each other's strengths. And then again, not making each other wrong because they don't have your particular strength. I hear this a lot. And it's like, I can't even believe he doesn't understand how to X, Y, Z. Those things don't typically come out of our mouths now because we've learned. We've learned that, you know, each other, we have different strengths and, you know, there's nothing I can do to make Rob know how to use a map. Nothing. There's nothing. So why try? And also, not even why try, why try to make him wrong for that? Why try to make him feel bad for that? Because it's going to make me feel better because I'm so great at directions. No, that's you know, not I good. Just, I just had an aha. Since I'm a big sports fan, I'm going to give you a sports <laughs> analogy. And that is what we call ironic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so look, you know what I'm thinking of? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. All right, so as we know, I am a big sports guy, right? You're, uh, <laughs> you're, aware, you're aware of that. All right, yeah. So you can't have a baseball team that's filled with people that do nothing but pitching, right? You have to have a pitcher, you have to have a catcher, right? I'm sure there's some, there's some joke in there somewhere, but you gotta, have a, you gotta have someone who's pitching and somebody who's catching. Uh, that's so, what she said. That's what she, I knew that was coming. But so if you look at relationships that way, if you look at p- working together on businesses that way, there has to be somebody who is better at something than the other person. And thank God, so you can get so much more done. And we've clearly defined, these are the things that Kim Kim does. These are the things that Rob does. And as a result of that, I think we can, we're more efficient in accomplishing- More productivity. More pro- productivity, thank you. I, the word was escaping me. We're much more productive because we're both- taking on tasks that we're better at. And you know what? One last thing. I also think this is super important is to celebrate each other's strengths. Let your other spouse or your other spouse. Okay. Now, spouse. now, we're, now we're in a, a multi, uh, what's it called? A polyamorous relationship. Let your significant other know exactly what they're great at and celebrate them when they do things that are in their zone of genius because that will just amplify it and you know who doesn't want to be thanked and celebrated consistently, even from your spouse? What is polyamorous? Is uh, that everybody? Um, you want where, every, it's everything? Where, it's where you love a lot of people. You just love a, like at the same time in the Sometimes. same at the same night. It could be. Number three, we're going to talk about our joint vision. Yeah, how you create a joint vision. So again, we've talked in the past. I think it was episode like thirty-two about creating your vision. So you can go back to that to reference it, but. 
Creating a joint vision is something that is newer to Rob and I and has been incredibly powerful for our family and for our next goal. So a vision, you know, a vision board. Let's use a vision board. Rob and I would each create a vision board. And so he'd have his on his side of the room and I'd have mine on my side of the room. And that's great. But, you know, symbolically or whatever, energetically, it creates a divide. It creates, I'm going to work on these goals. You work on those goals and we'll get back. And that doesn't play at the level relationship that we want it to. So we have um, our goal in eight months is to pack all our stuff up and move to Southern California. And right now that's a scary goal. There's also a time limit on it. So again, goals within the six to 12 month, your vision within six to 12 months, that's what you want to really focus on. And what we did this time is we got on the same page. We figured out what are the things that Rob wants in this big vision that we have coming? What are the things that I want? What are the things we want for Sophia? What are the things we want for our family? And we wrote them down, we talked about them, we hashed them out, and we handled any conflicts. For example, I'm not willing to go and live in an apartment because I want a yard for Sophia. She's getting older. That's a non-negotiable for me. So we hashed these things out. Rob wants to be in a certain area, uh, doesn't want to be too far from LA, yada, yada. So we used our whole, is it a 10 for you? Is it a 10 for you? And hash those out. Then we each went and found pictures that were meaningful to us, that placed us into our vision. So example, I found the yoga studio that I want to join when we move to California. I found the school I want Sophia in. I found the yard that I want for her. Rob found the restaurant in in the views that he's looking for, for a sunset date night. You know, we together went and found what lights our soul up and what creates the vision to us and then put it together in one vision board instead of having two. What's really interesting about this is we did a couple of things differently. We went from, like you just said, we went from two vision boards to one. We combined things like you just said, where we're doing, you know, where we're things that are interesting to us. And then we added one twist to it. And that is we hung it in our kitchen. And hanging the vision board in our kitchen did two things. One is it allowed us to see it much more frequently because, you know, you're cooking and every everybody always spends time more time in the kitchen than any, any other room in the house. And number two, Sophia sees it. And so last night, we were looking at the vision board with Sophia and I was pointing out each thing. And she's like, what's that? I said, which one do you want to do? And there was a picture that you put up of, um, of a mom and a daughter doing, doing yoga. yoga in a yoga studio in Manhattan Beach where we want to live. And so when she saw that, she was like, what is that? And I was like, yoga. So I explained it to her. And she goes, what's that? And I said, well, that's a picture of a surfer and that's what daddy wants to do. Well, what's that? That's where daddy is going to work. That's the actual coffee shop he's going to work in. So now we've got this not only vision board where the two of us are focused on it, now we got the whole family focused on it. And so now, you know, in Sophia's mind, she's she knows that we're all moving to California and we're all clear about it. You know, I just had this light bulb go off in my head. And in the past, I would make vision boards and I would put them in my closet. I would put them in the bathroom. I would put one in the bedroom, you know, things like that. But typically for me, I have a big closet I was like, oh, I'll just put it in here because I don't want everyone to see it. And energetically, 
talk about not visualizing and not putting out into the universe what you want. Energetically, being able to shut my closet door, I'm shutting my door to my vision. And now every single minute of my day effectively, because I work out there, I live out there, I cook out there, I play out there, it is always there. And even bigger than that, when our friends come over, they're like, oh, what's that? And you get to share your vision with your friends. And it's a little bit uncomfortable. Like when Rob was like, what if we put it here? I was like, oh, but the maintenance people are gonna see it. Our friends are gonna see it. And then I was like, you know what? Who cares? Who cares? But more than that, it inspires them to want to do the same thing. Yes. They're like, hey, I went to Robin Kim's house. Their vision was in their kitchen. Yeah. But how great is that? That, you know, it just energetically, the shift in that vision is there. And, you know, I don't know. There was just something light bulb moment for me at that. So um, put your vision board, put yourself in it. Make it super personal. Don't put somebody else's body on your vision board. Do you know what I mean? Like make make it more personal to you. And then the last part of this is look at your vision board and see how much it's going to cost, whatever it is, whether like we have different things about clothing on there and it's not just all about where we're going to live. It's yoga, it's this, it's that. Price everything out, come up with the cost of what your ideal life, what your vision, what is that going to look like? And then reverse engineer the way to generate the income so you can have both visions together on the same board. And this way you understand each other's visions you are on board with each other's visions. You know how much it's going to cost to have your total joint vision and you both can work together on that vision. Yeah, so I think the overall lesson here is to be able, that's the words, right? To be able to work together and understand why each person wants what they want and have influence over each other. That's it, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.